coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And we're really in the thick of it this week. We're here again to talk about the Oscars, um, racing ahead with the Oscars death race. And uh, we ha- we've done quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. We still have a lot to go. Yeah. Come so far. We got so far to go. Um, singing hairspray. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> To catch everyone up, uh, when last we recorded, pretty much the only last movies I'd on. <laughs> yes, the only movies I had seen were um, Onward, um, Promising Young Woman, Soul, Emma, and Wolfwalkers. That yes. was it from the entire Oscars field. Now, in the last two weeks, I have seen Mank, Nomadland. Trial of the Chicago 7, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Hillbilly Elegy, Mulan, United States vs. Billy Holiday, Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon, Wolf Walkers, and Eurovision Song Contest. Wow. Wow. You blazed ahead. You really did it. I'm trying. Yes. <laughs> There's still so much to go. What have you For seen? Uh, so since we last spoke, since we last spoke, I have seen Onward, Mank, Borat subsequent movie film, um, all of the Oscars nominated animated and live action shorts. Damn. Uh, the one and only Ivan, Eurovision Song Contest, My Octopus Teacher, Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon, Hillbilly Elegy, Crip Camp, and Nomadland. Yeah. So we're both putting lots of work here. And uh, we're going to talk. What's your uh, like, what's your number? Like where, where do you stand? Oh. So right now I have 40 movies left. That includes all 15 shorts. So 25 features. Yes. That's not bad. I feel like that's that's pretty good. There's about two weeks to go until the ceremony. So I figure if I hit uh, two features a day or slightly less than two features a day, I'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm at, I have 27 total films left to see. Um, five of which are shorts. Um, nice. Yeah. So, well, I have a slight, you know, I have seen 10 of the shorts, which really the shorts take up so many different movies. That so helps like, bring the, the numbers down. Yeah, yeah. Just like, just like sheer count it, you know, it really matters if you've seen the shorts. Um, um, but yeah, so I, I, I have to, I still have to see the documentary shorts, uh, but I've already got a plan for that, which is nice. Um, so, you know, I've got to see 27 or not. What is it? It's, it's 23 features, I guess. Cause one, you know, the one feature counts for five movies. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, so I'm also looking to do about two a day. And I literally, I sat down today um, while I was eating brunch and I like wrote in my planner what I'm watching on each day for the next two weeks. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I do that ahead of any given week. Um, and this is like a, side fun fact about Matt. Um, I literally plan out what movies I'm watching on most weeks. Um, but I, I did it like for the next two weeks this time. Cause I was like, I just need to like be prepared and I, I might switch some of it up, but, um, generally it'll stay the same. And I left some days where I'm like only doing 
one, um, like the day that I'm seeing the documentary shorts, I'm like just not planning to do anything else. One, because as we'll talk about, that's going to be like a journey. But two, those are, those are also like very heavy. And I just like don't want to like plan to watch something else that's heavy afterwards. I just don't want to do that. That's not fun for me. Um, and two, because one Saturday in the middle of it, which is really unfortunate, the new Mortal Kombat movie comes out. And I like literally <laughs> cannot go more than 24 hours without watching that movie. So I like have a day plan where I'm going to marathon all three more Mortal Kombat movies and like, Oh my God, have theme drinks with like each of the characters. Yeah. It's going to be very fun. So like, I like have to have one day set aside where I don't watch any Oscars movies. So I really like, I've carefully planned my next two weeks. Um, so if I can get through it, it's going to be great. I think I will. I just might skip some and then have to do some days where I watch like four movies. Like that might happen, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I have not done nearly as much planning as you have. Um, I pretty much just like get to the end of the day. And I'm like, all right, which movie can I stomach watching right now? Uh, and I'm trying to watch as many of like the hard hitting ones I can. Cause those are always, you don't want to leave them all to the end. And then yeah. you're watching like four gut wrenching movies all in yeah. one day. Like, yeah. The, what the is way, happening? The way me? I have the next two, two weeks planned out, like, I basically never watch two foreign language films in a day. Um, it's just like, that's a lot to take in to like have to mm-hmm. read straight through two movies. Um, I don't want to do two documentaries in a day, you know, like things like that. Like I'm not, I'm just like trying to like stagger it. And like, if I have a day where I watch a movie that's like really heavy, like I might pick Mulan for my next movie. That day. You know, like, yeah. So um, that could be tough. I mean, yeah. like last year on but the a lot of what day, I have left is, is also kind of heavy. So anyway, continue <laughs> last year on the last day. I watched like four movies all in one day. And like, there was, there was a foreign language film. There was a foreign language documentary. There was like, it was a rough day. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to leave some of the ones that I think will be more enjoyable towards the end uh, and get, like stuff out of the way that I know is going to be difficult to watch. But you know, sometimes you're starting at like midnight and you're like, fuck, I don't want to watch like a foreign film right now. So. Yeah. That's like impossible. Like you, you, I mean, not impossible, but like, it's just hard, you know? Um, yeah. And that, that honestly is the hardest part about the way. I mean, typically by this point in the year, I think we can both agree. Like I'm not in this position where I have to watch two a day for two weeks. Like that's not the norm for me. Um, might have to watch like one a day, you know, I might have to do something every single day, but two a day for two weeks. This is, this is a lot for me. And I think a big (laughs) part of that is just that like, you know, we weren't seeing movies in theaters for a year. Um, and typically if a movie's getting buzzed, I can find a theater, even if it's like a foreign language or documentary film in New York, I can find one that's showing it. So I will typically have knocked out a few of the docs, a few of the foreign language, you know, things like that. Um, this year I basically had all of this stuff still to do. <laughs> and most of what I'd already seen was like things that got nominated for best sound or best visual effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we're just getting through it whatever way we can at this yeah. point. Um, so why don't we, why don't we kick off tonight's discussion by uh, talking about what we're drinking right now? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I picked something somewhat thematic. You did. Uh, I, I did not, but continue. <laughs> so there's there's a, a scene in Hillbilly Elegy where there's like a bunch of teenagers drinking oh 
like drinking their parents' liquor, supposedly, or something. And one of the things that they're drinking is like a full bottle of Midori (laughs) straight out of the bottle. It's like the most insane thing a person could just like drink straight. Like you're just drinking straight Midori. Midori is one of those things you put into a drink and you put like a quarter ounce of it. And you're like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of fucking Midori. Like, it's also so weak too. It's like yes, it's, it's like, like half proof. Isn't it so, like a bottle of wine? Like it's like you know. It's so yeah, it's like a strong wine yeah. at best. And so like, uh, but it, it is totally the sort of insane thing a teenager would drink. Absolutely. It's like, all they yeah. hold. Uh, like I distinctly remember drinking hypnotic straight from the bottle. Like <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jesus. Um. You know what? I'm I'm having some memories here, and I'm not liking it. But um. So I decided not to do that, but instead to make a Midori sour, which is the much more adult way to enjoy this liqueur. Um, It's a pretty good drink, you know, a couple ounces of Midori, ounce of vodka, a little bit of lime juice and lemon juice, a splash of club soda. It's light. It's easy to drink. And it's, it's just enough melon tasting, but not like the whole bottle. Nice. I respect that. I mean, finding a good Midori drink can be very good. That's my, you know, Midori is very hard though, because a lot of Midori drinks, you know, I just don't want to talk about what a lot of Midori drinks are like. And I have a bottle of Midori. My bottle of Midori gets used so infrequently that occasionally I'll pick it up to make a drink and I'll have to get out my wrench to like wrench the cap. (laughs) Um, I love that, like the the really sweet liqueurs that you have to like. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. like a crust of sugar over them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got so. a bottle of a triple sec that's like that. It's <laughs> like oh, boy. I don't even. I mean, Time. I basically, I almost never have triple sec anymore. Um, and this is like a, I don't know why. It's just like anytime I'm like, oh, I should use triple sec. I'm like, I could use Quintro, Quantro. I don't know. Um, um, Quantro. It's, it's stronger and also orange. So I tend to use that instead. Um, and I always have that because there are many more drinks that I would make with Quantrill. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I just use triple sec for everything because it's cheaper. But it is. No, you you're know. very smart. That's like very, very <laughs> smart. Um, is The thing is, I live in a small New York City apartment and I have limited bar space. You've seen what my bar situations are like. Um, I say plural because I literally have two show. Like I have two different things that I use as bars. And in fact, I have three because recently this weekend I like went out and bought like mezcal sake and allspice dram. And now I've moved to a third space where I keep some oh bottles. Um, Cause I just have too many different like liquors and liqueurs and everything, you know? Um, I have contemplated getting a new bookshelf just so that I could store some of it. Cause like I've got one just super overloaded bar cart right now yeah. where there's like, I've moved, I moved the glasses and the garnishes and everything off. It's just packed with bottles because I've got, you know, like six different kinds of rum to make tiki drinks with and stuff like that. Right. And, yeah, the more the more bottles you get, the more you're like, well, do I really can I really make these cocktails with just one kind of Demerara rum or do I need a, the aged one as well as the lightly aged? And then yeah. you, you just start you, you start pushing it too far and it, it's expanding. If you go really far down the rabbit hole of the tiki drink thing, you will end up with like you can make a bar cart just of tiki drink liquors and liqueurs. <laughs> um and it's like a real problem because that I totally feel that I have so many different types of rum. And I want to be clear that before COVID started, I was one of those people who was like, I don't like rum. 
and I don't keep rum in the house. Now I have so many bottles of rum, I don't know what the fuck to do with the amount of rum I keep in my apartment at any given time. Um, it's an I insane mean, bef- reality. <laughs> Before COVID, I was someone who's like, oh, my tie, let's get out the Bacardi. And now it's like, hmm, let's hunt down the bottle of Martinique Agricole rum. <laughs> and it's just, it's a completely different world we're living in now. Yeah. Um, but yes, th- those are the problems. Yeah. that we face but yeah. i have still i i still do use triple sec for pretty much any orange anytime uh, it calls for an orange orange yeah. liqueur yeah i, I use thought a about getting, <laughs> <laughs> i have thought about getting a bottle of dry curacao because that is slightly better for the tiki drinks. well Again. i have had <laughs> zero luck with I just, you know what? No, I can't find Curacao's <laughs> in this city. And so I've just given up. I've given up. You recall the, city the days of New York. where I spent days, weeks looking for blue Curacao's. I just want to fucking follow blue Curacao. And you know what? I will say that blue Curacao is not a weird thing to need in terms of drinks. No. Like, I mean, if you're making a blue Hawaiian or a blue martini, you definitely a, need that. It was a Those staple. aren't uncommon. Yeah, I kept it all the time when I was in college. If I bought it while I was in college... It's not a weird thing to want as a liquor. Like I have a bottle still that I bought on Beach Week just okay. at the random liquor store we went to before that. Almost so. wish you hadn't said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, hoping it's still good. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure most liquors last. Other than like vermouths, you're probably good. And like Bailey's yeah. maybe. Um yeah but but even that i mean these things don't come with expiry dates and that's another big problem they need to solve that these things need to come with dates um because i just have questions a lot of it is so strong that it doesn't matter but like because the liquor will you know kill anything that tries to grow in there but like some of it i don't know about that um yeah yeah so anyway yeah my bar space is crazy I'm not drinking anything that's thematic. I'm drinking a drink from a website, tuxedo2.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know they say like, they have a whole thing about like what they're about, but I don't really understand. But anyway, I'm calling them out because they, cre- they created this drink. I did not. It's called the Mariner's ghost. And it's like really good. I'm like really into this drink. I've made it like four times this weekend, which says a oh, lot yeah, I th- because I have not <laughs> I think drank you told a lot me about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like good. super good. It's like dark rum, light rum, mango puree, grapefruit juice, allspice dram, lime juice. It's so good. It tastes so good. And like the allspice gives it like a, I mean, allspice dram obviously gives it like a slightly fall flavor, um, which seems wrong in April, but also it's been like chilly and rainy in New York this weekend. So like, it's fine. Um, also, as you know, I hunted down allspice dram this weekend. So I really was determined to make a lot of drinks with it. Um, so once I found this, it's real. It, I think it's supposed to be based on like the ancient Mariner cocktail, um, which is like a slightly more like well-known drink. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So anyway, it's really good. And that's what I'm drinking. It has nothing to do with anything we watched. The only thing I will say is that ghosts sort of thematically work with nomad land. If you like want to get conceptual with it. So, all right. Um, yeah. I will say that. Let's let's get conceptual. Yeah. Um, let's get conceptual. Otherwise, sensual. it doesn't really work with any of it. Uh, maybe the one and only Ivan because it's like zoo animals and like mangoes are kind of like a tropical fruit, but um, not really. So. <laughs> um. All right. Well, um, since we first brought up. Uh, Hillbilly elegy. 
Jesus why don't Christ. we talk about that one? Yeah. Um, I know we both did not particularly care for this film. No. So, no. yeah. Let's get into that. I have to say, so I didn't really know what to think about this film going in. I know that it's like kind of uh, controversial politically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that was like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to ignore all that first and just try to like enjoy the film as it is. And there are some good things I will say about it. The acting is is pretty good. Oh my God, Glenn film. Close literally deserves the praise she's gotten. I was surprised. Close is she's great. so good in this movie. Um, she really embodies that like rust belt grandma aesthetic. Um, <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, I also love the attention to detail. I mean, the movie just gets like visually so much right. Like so much of like this, like small town and like Rust Belt, Ohio, like, you know, like so much of that is like really what, I mean, that's like on brand. Um, really love that. Um, I love that Glenn Close was in like an oversized American flag t-shirt at all times. Like just fucking loved it. Like, you know, the, the annual old Navy, here's our 2004 4th of July t-shirt like that they release with a year on it every year for some reason. And nobody knows why. Cause like, it's a fucking flag t-shirt. Um, <laughs> but like they do it and grandma's like Glenn close in this movie buy it every single year. Um, I just love that. Um, but there was so much about it that was bad. <laughs> um, and yes. Um, so I will say speaking to like, this was pol- politically controversial. Um, I actually think it like wanted to sidestep a lot of the political controversy of the book, which I also read. Um, and I read it long before the movie was like a thing. Um, so I didn't, you know, I read it before the movie was even, you know, announced or in the works or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, I knew that I was going to see this movie for a long time, but I was also like, it's going to like piss me off because the book kind of pissed me off. And um, because, you know, the, I mean, it's just like, there's a whole, I mean, thematically, there's just a lot to unpack in this movie and the book. Um, but the movie tried to sidestep a lot of the politics because the politics were of the book were like, well, people from Ohio aren't Republicans and Trump voters because they're racist. They're Republicans and Trump voters because they are worried about the economy. And it was sort of like, well, you know, I just don't know if that holds up to any data that we have. Um <laughs> So it was more of like implied in the movie. There. Yeah. 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 It's much more implied in the movie. In the book, he like, I mean, the book, I actually, I mean, ugh, hot take. I kind of like the book. I mean, I, I think it's like, I think he doesn't understand a lot of what he's talking about, um, which is unfortunate because <laughs> he's the narrator of the book and it's supposed to be a story. But like, like there is also a lot that's just like interesting. And I do think there is a lot to be said for just like the personal stories of like this sort of like, family in the rust belt like that's like that is important and we should pay attention to like these people and they have been left behind in a certain way but like we shouldn't say they've been left behind and then ignore the fact that a lot of them have been left behind and now espouse super racist views like we you know we just should not (laughs) we we can't just ignore that and say well if we just gave them money they wouldn't be racist anymore or whatever there's a lot in this movie that's like oh my mom was addicted to drugs so now trans people don't get rights that's just how it works yeah it's like it's sort of like this ridiculous concept where it's like well because like they like had a bad time like we have to ignore the fact they also are super hateful and it's like well well i know we can't do that and like well i do buy if, if they'd even like attempted to make the argument that like 
Sometimes some of these people have been manipulated by politicians to believe these hateful things. That would be a step above what it's doing. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's not doing that, which is literally what's true half the time is that politicians espouse these terrible views and people just pick them up and then like run with it because they don't know anything better. Like, and so, you know, fucking it, there's just like it's a it's bad it's very bad and the movie like tries to gloss over all of that because the book tries the book tries to argue against you know the bad things that these people might believe and say well they didn't mean to believe that they were just like in a hard place and it's like well that's not really an excuse i mean like i've been through a lot of shit too and i'm not like a raging racist so don't know what to tell you like and it's just like a whole, so the book, you know, is a whole thing, but the movie tries to gloss over all of that and doesn't even really like, I mean, it barely even alludes to its politics, but you can't miss it. Like it's such a yeah. weird, like, like thing where it's like, you can tell that it's trying to not talk about its politics, but like, it's impossible to ignore the politics of this movie. Like they're right there in front of your face, especially when it came out, like, you know, after Trump was elected, right around the 2020 election. Like it's impossible to miss what this movie is talking about. And so it's very bizarre that it tried to ignore what it's talking about. Like there's just a lot of weird moments in this movie that just give me vibes like that. And the strange thing is like, I don't think like Ron Howard directed this and I don't think of him as someone with like a public, I don't think of him as someone with like a particular political bent, especially in his filmmaking. Sort of do, but but like, Sort of, I mean, you know how I think of Ron Howard? I think of Ron Howard as like an establishment Democrat type bent. Like that's okay. his viewpoint. And so I do think if you think about Ron Howard that way, Hillbilly Elegy actually makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, you think you're exposing like, see, this is why they're struggling and suffering. And it's like, well, no, this is not why. Like, that's the other problem is that none of this gets to the heart of why any of this is happening, right? Like there's no like, talk about like well why does amy adams character become so dependent on like you know on her her like drug addiction like why like there's no talk about why this addiction ravaged this part of the country like and it it, there's a big thing and like big pharma is the reason like we know why but like we literally know (laughs) and the thing is like they allude to like weaknesses in the healthcare system where it's like they're trying to force her out of the hospital when she's still recovering and stuff like that but at the same time like the movie multiple times reverts to like a personal responsibility narrative around drug addiction where like the kid's like yelling at his mom like why can't you just not do drugs and stuff like that like what the fuck is going like this is this your own understanding of your mom experience when you wrote the movie about this yeah so okay so yeah well let's cover that in a second um i think i i had an issue like it seemed like every time jd vance's character um came into like a situation where he was in a bad place somebody was like i wish i could help but i just can't and it was it's this like very annoying situation where like of course that happens like people come into situations and somebody says i wish i could help but i can't that largely does not happen to white people to the same degree that it happens to people who are not white. Second of all, it's just like not that, I mean, like I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I have a family that's not super wealthy and has struggled with addiction and medical problems. And like, 
if they need a place to stay in a hospital over, like, I just like, don't like doctors don't just say, sorry, we can't do anything. You have to leave. Like, they're not that cold. Like, <laughs> like, it's not really like that. And like, it's not the situation where it's like, everyone's against you and you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Like, it's very rarely like that when you're like a white person. I That's all I'm going to say. And like, it's like a very weird situation where like every single time there's a struggle, somebody says, I wish I could help, but I can't. You'll just have to figure it out. And JD Vance has to be like, Whoa! like it's like all <laughs> the time it's constant. Right. And like, it just seems like that's not, I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It just seems like it's unrealistic that happens that often to that degree every single time. Um, it's it's an ideological thing. They're like they're expressing the ideology yes. through like the the way that no one has helped them, and therefore, yes. why should they have to help someone? Right. Else? It's it's that because like nobody is like even if like yes, do I believe that a doctor would say, well, we can't just like let you take a bed overnight because we're like full. Like, do I believe that? Yeah, sure. Do I believe that a doctor would just be like? you have until X hour and we're not going to talk to you anymore and whatever. If you get thrown out and live on the streets and die, we don't care. And we're not going to help you find somewhere. Not really. Most hospitals will help you, you know, you'll get some assistance and it's out there. Like, um, but it's like a weird, it's just like such a weird thing where like every single situation has to be like that. And, and it has to, it's, it's for him to prove that you can do it. Right that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make it and now be somebody who's going to like run for elected office someday. Like, you know, I mean, and he is, he's going to, that's going to be a thing that JD Vance is going to do. And, um, he'll probably win quite frankly. Um, you know, the competition from Ohio (laughs) is pretty slim, but like, you know, anyway, like, it's just like, it's very annoying. It's a very annoying movie because it, it feels like it wants so desperately for you to believe that you can just like, survive the american dream but like there's no like nuance to it and it's just ugh, it's so annoying and like you said jd vance sort of like his character comes across as like sociopathic like he's just like well here's my mom she's a drug addict and mom sorry but i have to go and it's like she literally just od'd like it has not been 24 hours like <laughs> I mean, I, and like, it's one of those situations where it's like, again, like he's like, well, you know, I have this, this job interview. I can't stay here and help her. I have to go make this job interview. Cause I have to make my way in the world. And it's like literally not a single person with like a brain would hear my mom is in the hospital and almost died and think you're right. You need to be here tomorrow. If you're not, <laughs> we're not going to consider you. Like you could you're get, not. you could put off the, they would reschedule for a few days later. Like you're not you proving your them. value as a candidate here. Yeah. It's just like a ridiculous situation where it's like, this is, this doesn't matter. Like you could just tell them a little bit of what's going on. You don't have to tell them everything. You don't have to say my mom is a heroin addict and she overdosed on heroin, but like, Hey, my, my mom is having a medical emergency and is in the hospital. So I have to help her right now. Can we not schedule the interview for tomorrow? Because we met last night. So like, you know, literally you gave me a 24 hour turnaround anyway. So you know, <laughs> you could just like, you could, you could negotiate there. I 100% promise that. And like, it's this ridiculous situation where it like, it doesn't add up and it doesn't make any sense that he needs to like leave his mom right now. And again, I, you know what? I also want to be clear that like, I am sympathetic to the idea that sometimes your family's so fucked up. You just have to walk away. That is a reality. 
That's a reality for a lot of people. And that might be a right. reality for JD Vance in college. Like when you're, if you're trying to get through college, it is 100% true that you cannot just be like, well, now I can come back to small town Ohio and live here and take care of my mom instead of finishing school. You should not do that sort of thing. And I, I mean, that is kind of like the the ending message there when he, he leaves to go to the interview anyway. It's like that, like sometimes you just have to know when to walk away and hope that your family is going to be able to pull through without you. I think that's and, what it was going for. I don't think it sells it very well because I think that it comes across as like, well, you, you probably could have tried to be a little more helpful and still do the, the school and work thing. Like you, you could have had it both here. Like, they called you and said, can you come in and interview for tomorrow? You probably could have said, no, not tomorrow. What about the next day? Like, you, you could have done that. Like, nobody right. nobody would say that's a problem. So, also, he clearly has, like, the, the it's presented as, like, this this partner for this law firm is only in town for, like, um, the, this weekend or whatever. But he clearly has no problem driving halfway across the country to go visit his mom. So why wouldn't he just drive somewhere else for the interview exactly you know? like, there, like there's no re like and a law firm that like actually care i mean i don't want to uh, you know i want to be clear that i think that some law firms are heartless and literally would not care about a mom who's dying but like i do think that the vast majority of people you could at least try to see if they care about your parent do- like being on their deathbed maybe like you know y- you could try and he's just like he's not even trying um he, it, I don't like the idea that there's like a dichotomy, like that it's like a binary here. You have to either help your family or just walk away. Like you, you can sort of do both, and there, there's a negotiation there. Um, yeah. Sometimes I, I there's mean, not. That is important sometimes that's like yeah, that is like the the message that they're trying to get across in the movie that yes. like sometimes you have to choose. Yep. And it's not always that black and white. Right. Uh, sometimes it clearly. is. Sometimes it is, and I. From experience, I have family that I have, like, chosen not to, like, talk to or help anymore. But, like, you know, that's not, you know, because of one experience. It's because of many, many times. <laughs> as, like, also, I have, I have to say, it's just, it's hard for me to, to pull from the main character of a story who is uh, a guy going to Yale Law. Yeah. Like, with the, knowing the, the absolute string of ghouls who've come out of there. Uh, some I assume are good people, but they're not sending us their best. They're not sending us uh, their best. Right about that. So, <laughs> yeah. And there was there was that moment like where he's like he's like kissing his girlfriend in the Yale Law Library. I'm like, this feels like an excerpt from like that Rudy Giuliani movie, where it's just like, oh god. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching some sort of weird right wing porno. I something. actually felt like that moment was like some weird like 500 Days of Summer ripoff. I was like, what are we doing here? Like. <laughs> Um, that was a weird thing. I also thought it was weird that Frida Pinto was in this movie. Like, I don't know that I'd seen her in a lot lately, um, but it was just like she's better than this movie. I feel she could she could do better um, than playing I mean, like, the girlfriend who doesn't have a lot to do. Um, <laughs> there were definitely multiple people who were too good for this movie. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, but a lot of them had more to do than Frida Pinto. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah, her role was not as like, well developed. Like Glenn Close, at least ha- Glenn Close is better than this movie, but sh- her character had a lot to do. Amy Adams is better than this movie. Her character had a lot to do. Not enough though. I do think her character was woefully poorly written, but. Uh, right and and it's it's too bad because like obviously that's like a, a big role especially you know within his story it's his mother and she's going through like a horribly uh difficult time in her life 
Um, but it, even still, like, I feel like she didn't really get enough to do, you know, she didn't. I, I my personal thought is that Amy Adams character should feel like you should feel pity for her. And you should also feel like terror just like at her and for her. And you feel none of those things. It's just sort of like, okay, we're here. There was like one or two really good scenes to capture the terror. I thought like the one where she was outside and like bleeding and everything. That oh yeah. That was, was pretty good. Yeah. That was, that was a good scene. And, and there were a number of good scenes in there. And, and like I said, the acting is top notch pretty much across the board. I didn't really have any problems with any of the actors. No. Um, so like the, there are good scenes in this movie, but there are times when I think that like either the writing or the screenplay, something in there is holding it back. Yes. Um, I don't know what it is, a but little, yeah, it's a little both. Um, I think um, ultimately this movie was hard to put together. The book is just longer and includes more detail. I mean, normally I don't like to compare it to the book, but like, there are certain things where it's like, you don't really understand the full depth of some of these relationships, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it feels a little too fast paced, um, which is saying a lot for a two hour movie where I sometimes felt like nothing was happening. <laughs> <laughs> there were but. definitely long periods when like nothing happened. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden we're at the end and he's like racing back to the interview. And it's like the interview went fine. He got the job. His mother recovered. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone's fine now. But <laughs> like, like, whoa, we were supposed to what? feel something about like his romantic relationship. I couldn't feel anything for that. Like I didn't care, you know? Oh yeah. They, um, they tried to cram a bunch of that in the end when like she was talking to him as he was driving home. And yeah. it's like, well, like it's too late now. Like this is like the last five minutes of the right. movie. Like you know, if you wanted me to care about this relationship that you should have established that earlier. Right. Maybe had that call like on the way there. Right. I don't know. But um, the movie tried. I, I, I have to say I went in thinking that this was going to be like, oh my God. And there were definitely a lot of, oh my God moments. It didn't quite reach like breakthrough level for me. Um, but you know, there's some well done stuff. Um, I don't like the movie's attitude towards drugs overall. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that for a movie that's about like a recovering drug addict, it's got some definitely problematic viewpoints on drugs. There's that part where, um, the uh where his like stepbrother i guess is like offering him marijuana it's like i can't do that that's a gateway drug but then like they're also like all drunk driving later in the movie so like but that's fine yeah um and also like i said like he like his character in the movie and this is the person writing the movie his own portrayal of himself portrays himself as someone who's not very sympathetic to someone going through a very serious drug addiction. Yeah. Um, so hmm, not, not too hot about that. I agree but. with that. Yeah. There's, um, it does not, I mean, his character just does not come across as likable at all. Half the time. It's very bizarre that you would write yourself this way. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you seem like a, um, you just seem like a cold person. Like, and there are moments where he's very sympathetic. I'm very sympathetic to the scene where he's like at dinner with like the law firm associates and like, you know, they're making like sort of snide comments about like where he's from and like things, you know, like I get that. That's hard. I, I thought that was one of the better scenes. I thought they, they did a great job of like illustrating where his background had him at a disadvantage in like this really new and scary environment where like the stakes were super high. He's trying to get a job 
so that he can afford to continue going to school and he doesn't know like which fort to use and he's afraid that it's going to throw off the whole thing. That was pretty good. Right. Um, but well, you know you what know, I like didn't do though is like showcase the absurdity of that as like a thing. Like it sort of felt like, well, he should learn it and then he'll be fine. And that's what happened, right? Like he learned it and then he made it through. And it's like, really what we should be talking about is how this is a fucking ridiculous reality. <laughs> like there should be no, which fork do I have to use? You use a fucking fork to stab your food and then you use a knife to cut it. Like that's just like, we shouldn't have to say which fork do you use? This should not be a thing. You shouldn't have to know which side your drink goes on because what if you're left-handed, but it's supposed to be on the right? Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, like it's just like a very ridiculous situation. I wish the movie had more explored like how ridiculous that is instead of just being like, well, maybe if he just works his way up into that stratosphere, he'll be fine. Um, I feel like if you're going to like this big high powered law school and there, you know that your students are going to be going to these important dinners, like the school should be making sure everybody knows what they're supposed to do. You would think remember. Yeah. I mean, Yes. Remember that this is Yale Law School. Um, yes. They're yes. not, um, you know, they're not. And they're not. <laughs> they're not. Uh, also, remember that this was, this movie is like taking place in like 2011, I think. Um, the Dark Ages. Yeah, I was going to say, we also, we often forget that even 10 years ago, things were just like, I didn't just, go, like, I didn't start typing in Google and it knew automatically what I was wanting to look up. You know, like, <laughs> back then, it did not know that. Uh, now it's like, I type two words and it knows this weird niche phrase that I want to search. So, so he's like trying to, trying to get on the Wi-Fi at the gas station. It's like, Oh man, this is a totally a very select period of history when this is relevant. Yes. Yeah. He's like at a BP. I'm like, all right, we're like doing it here. Um, <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, it's just, a, it's, yeah, I think it's a. I think the movie overall is like a missed opportunity. Like, there's good in here, and it could have done something with itself, and it just like didn't. It just yeah. kind of dropped the ball. Um, there's a lot to there say about like poverty in this part of the country, and like you know how hard it was, and like addiction in this part. Of, you know, there's so much to say about it, and this movie didn't manage. It just managed to say none of it. So. There was like one of the opening lines of this movie. I'm going to paraphrase here. He's like, when people ask me where I'm from, like sometimes I say I'm from Ohio, but where I'm really from is, is Kentucky. That's where my people are from. And I was like, Oh dear God, <laughs> help me. And the movie like, uh, doesn't even like go into that. Like it doesn't. I, even, yeah. Yeah. I, and I can't like, that's part of my problem with this as well. Is like, I can't tell whether he is trying to like, claim hillbilly valor from like the fact that his grandparents came from Kentucky, despite the fact that he's depicted as growing up in suburban Ohio. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, I'm sure there's difficulties that come from either one of those, but I wouldn't call people from Ohio hillbillies. So what it really is, is that like a lot of his family is from like it are a lot. His family elders are actually hillbillies. And what actually happened is it like steel plants and like that whole movement drew a lot of people from Appalachia into like these suburbs of Ohio to work in steel plants and steel mills. Right. And that's his family. They, they were drawn out of Appalachia into these like steel mill jobs. But a lot of those then went bust, right? Like 
you know, a lot of those right. people fell on very hard times. And that's what his family is. And the movie does a very poor job of explaining that that's the reality, that that was like, it's not just like, oh, his family's from Kentucky, but now he lives in Ohio. It's like, well, no, a big thing happened where a lot of people were drawn out of their life in like Appalachian mountains and the woods to work in these steel mills because like they needed people to work there and these people needed jobs. And, and then these people fell on hard times because it was not the boom that they were told it would be. It was right. briefly. And then that boom ended. And so and I think that is briefly depicted in the movie. Yes, Very but. briefly. It just, it just feels like that actually, expl- I feel like in the book, that's like a constant refrain. And like, even though the book still gets a lot wrong, that is like a reality of what happened. And I think it's, it does inform a lot of like, you know, this family and these people like to understand that, like they thought they were getting into something that was going to be really good for them. And then it just ended up being like totally shitty. Like, um, so it's just like, I don't know. The movie skips over a lot of things that matter. And then highlight, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I did not like it. I was not a fan. Um, rough, rough times. Rough. All right, yeah, but we did get that great um, Midori drinking scene, so there's that. We got Glenn Close. Um, We got Glenn Close. Here's, like, so this movie is up for makeup and hairstyling, and I know that, like, part of the reason is that they, you know, made Glenn Close look like somebody's grandma, but... Like, on the other hand, like, did you really get a makeup and hairstyling nomination for just making people look like normal people? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, they, I at first I was like, okay, yeah, like, Glenn Close does look really different. But on the other hand, it's like, this is just what people look like. Like, it's not, is it really that hard to make somebody look like this? I don't know. But That's a I leave that to the question. experts in the makeup and hairstyling. Um, I'm just saying, like, it was kind of cool. But I'm not like super impressed. There, there were better makeup and hairstyling movies that came out this year. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to win. Yeah, probably not. But you never know. All right. So let's move on to something else. Um, you haven't seen Mank, right? I have I, seen Mank. Oh, you have? Okay, let's talk about Mank. That is the most nominated film of the Oscars this year with 10 nominations. So we definitely have to talk about that. Um, all right. I, I liked it for the most part. Um, I didn't really have any major issues with it. Uh, I, I thought Gary Oldman was very good. Thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it was a fine film. It was a movie. It had a lot of good elements. There was nothing that was specifically bad about it. Um, I don't care to ever watch it again. <laughs> yeah. See, this is definitely like, I don't ever see myself watching it again. I enjoyed it. Uh, but it's not going to be like taking a place in the canon in my mind. Right. Um, it's definitely interesting to see like some of the backstory about who Herman Mankiewicz was and like how he wrote the movie and all that. Um, I definitely, I I'm a really big fan of like old school Hollywood and getting to see like the pictures of the old back lots and stuff like that was like, Ooh, that was good. Um, so I really like that part, but like 
you know, that's just me getting to see something I like on the screen. I don't know if that's to speaks well to the movie's quality or not. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It was a fun movie. I didn't feel like it went on too long or too short. It was enjoyable enough to watch. It was over two hours, um, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it was all right. Boy, I liked, I um, I liked the stuff with Upton Sinclair. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was that was interesting. Um, the, like the, all the politics and everything going on in the background. I thought I thought focusing in on Hollywood's sort of um, investment in politics was really interesting. I really liked that. Um, I thought, I mean, it's hard not to see parallels to like our current political environment when you see Hollywood going in to stop the more socialist quote unquote candidate. Um, Mm -hmm. hard not to see current parallels. Um, (laughs) yes, it um, definitely, it definitely had some, (laughs) like, uh, some parallels. Uh, I definitely felt like that part was very timely. Um, I thought that made it more interesting because I thought there were parts of it that felt like, well, why does anyone care? Um, (laughs) and yeah, so I, you know, I thought it was good. I don't necessarily know why it had to be black and white. Um, not going to lie. It seemed like that was just like a, a thing to play on the fact that it was, you know, Citizen Kane was based on Citizen Kane um, or like about, about the production of Citizen Kane. But like, did we need to? Well, there was also a lot of imitation of like just like the shooting style and the framing of movies from back then as yeah, well. Yeah, do we need to? Do we need to do any of that? Not um, necessarily, but um, you know, it's a choice. Um, it's a choice. It was an interesting one. Uh, I really liked that the scene where he's getting drunk at the political party and like it's becoming increasingly close that his candidate is not going to win. And he's just like getting drunker and drunker. And you're just like, this is great montage of everything going to shit. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yes. And that did feel very like 30s and 40s filmmaking. It did. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I mostly liked it. I don't want to, I don't want to rag on it too much. Um, I, you know, it was good. It was good. I liked that Bill Nye was Upton Sinclair, not to keep harping on Upton Sinclair, but I just liked it as Bill <laughs> Nye. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, Bill and I would be up to Sinclair. So why not? Um, yeah. Um, overall, I thought it was really good. You know, um, I do wish I found that my favorite scenes were all Amanda Seyfried scenes. Um, I just thought she was really great. Uh, you know, oh, she was I, great. I'm not yeah. the first to say that obviously, cause she's up for awards, but like, I thought she was like, I just thought she was like a, a, a bright light in this film. Like, so much of it is just Gary Oldman. Um, yeah. Oh, and the relationship between her character and Mank is, is like a very interesting one. And it like, it shows a lot of how, like how complicated this whole like situation he had was where he's like somewhat, um, beholden to the Hearst family, but at the same time, like against everything that they stand for. And like, but he's really great friends with her, even though she's living this lavish lifestyle that he's like someone against. Right. So yeah, it was, it was a very, it like her character made this movie so much more interesting and she did a great job portraying her. Yeah. 
So that was really good. Um, I really love that scene where he like shows up drunk at that Hearst party and makes a big scene. Um, I mean, like that's obviously like the the big showpiece of the whole movie. Right. Um, and Gary Oldman just doing a lot of acting in that scene, but it was really fun. <laughs> he is doing a lot of acting. Um, um, also, yeah, yeah, I, d- I did really like that scene. Um, I also like Charles Dance in that scene. Um, I thought he was quite good. Um, I also just like that Charles Dance was in this movie. Um, cause why not have Tyron Lannister in a movie when you can have Tyron <laughs> Lannister in a movie? Um, yeah. so I liked that he was William Randolph Hearst because again, why not? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he be? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought so many elements of this movie were good, you know? Um, it just didn't like, like I haven't really thought about it since I watched it. Yeah. Um, and for a movie that's got as many like Oscar nominations as it does, like I would like to have thought about it some more, <laughs> you know, um, I would like it to have left a, a bigger impression is all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I think I pretty much agree. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's very good. Um, I will say, you know, I, I, I try to buy every single movie that wins the best picture award. If, if this one wins the best picture, I will be upset that I have to buy it. Cause I will, I know I'll never watch it again, you know? So no, it's one of those. Will you even buy it? Like does Netflix put out Blu-rays when they win awards for stuff like this? Well, most movies that even just get like straight to digital releases get Blu-rays. That's like a thing okay. still. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know I, I got the criterion Blu-ray of the Irishman, but that was, you know, that's criterion. So that's like a different thing than a standard release. Most places still oh. get, most movies still get a, a home media release. Um, mm. Cause people cool. will buy it. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, people like us. Yeah. Um, you buy a movie you can watch right now on Netflix. I mean, Yes. I mean, I would, you never know if that's like, that's going to be perfect, like permanent, you know? Right. Yeah. And you never know if you're going to want to keep subscribing to Netflix. So right. if you really like a movie, buy it. Right. You know, that's, that's the only way to ensure you'll be able to watch it. Right. So ideally, eventually it, it will have a home media release. I don't know. I don't think it has yet, but I would hope so. That seems like a, seems like a, I mean, even if it's like a criterion one, it will, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, that's like a, a future case where it is best picture winner. I do think I don't really know who the front runner is, but Mank has got to be one of them. So I, I really don't yeah. know who else is. So, I mean, usually when you got that many nominations, it's a, it's a good sign that you might be in for the best picture, but you know, you never know. I mean, there's been movies like Roma, which get a shit ton of nominations and then don't get it. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, among all of them, it has to be the one with even the most, like, word of mouth buzz. Like, right? I mean, of, of the Best Picture nominees, what else has had, like, sort of the buzz that Mank has had? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I gotta, I'll admit to not having followed a lot of the buzz. Um, I think maybe Nomadland or Minari might have a shot but I don't really know like what everyone's saying is going to be the big, I wish uh, I thought Nomadland had a shot, but I don't know that I do. I do think Minari might, but why don't we talk about Nomadland now that we've 
touched on it. Um, this one was, it was interesting. I, I liked the structure of it. Um, it was not like a straightforward narrative. It was just sort of like a bunch of different glimpses pieced together. Um, I thought that was interesting. It kind of reminded me of Into the Wild, and that might just be because I watched that somewhat recently. But, you know, they they do also have van dwellers in that movie and like Mm -hmm. the sort of like the big meetups of like these itinerant people. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Like this one, you get a much deeper look into the lives of like these actual van dwellers and people who lived on there. And there were actual van dwellers in the movie as well like portraying themselves which i found very interesting and thought it made it seem very authentic um i liked it i thought it was a very interesting look at like a completely different style of life and like what people can value in their life um you know the freedom versus security and the trade-offs therein um and there's a lot of good acting in it too yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think if I had to pick something it reminded me the most of, it would be The Writer, also directed by Chloe Zhao. Um, oh, well, there you <laughs> go. Um, so, I, you know, I think she has a real... Um, and I, I think it's interesting. I don't think she's from this part of the country, but she has a real feel for, like, this, like, you know, sparse Midwestern landscape and, like, just like what it's like to be out there. I mean, I say that as somebody who's never like lived there in my life, but like it feels very authentic. Um, so it, it feels right to me. Um, and she seems to have a really good feel for it. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but I, I, you know, I, I think she like went to high school in like London and went to Mount Holyoke. If I'm remembering correctly from her bio, cause I mm-hmm. you know, read a lot of that. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if she's really, I don't know what her, connection to this area of the country is but she's very good at it um and she really gets it in a way that quite frankly a lot of movies don't necessarily <laughs> you know you'll see a lot of movies set in this like part of the country and they'll like they just i don't know there's a lot there's a lot you know there's like a lot of assumptions are made in this case it seems like she really has like a sympathetic eye for it and like gets it and you know depicts it really well and i i think it's I think it's nice i think it is um I think there are parts like, I don't know what to make of the ending of this movie. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel good that the character has decided what she wants or like sad. Cause it seems like she's decided a very sad thing that she wants for her life. But like, <laughs> um, you know, I, it is definitely an interesting movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity in the movie. I think um, it, it is more like kind of a slice of life type film so is the writer um she um that's uh i think that might be her thing yeah but i i mean there was definitely you know some sort of progression in the main character's arc um i like that a large portion of the film takes place at wall drug yeah i I love i love like all those uh roadside attraction type things um and that's like a dying breed of place yeah um it's nice to see it displayed so prominently in this movie i did not like the amount of time spent at amazon um (laughs) yeah that was that was kind of grim was this movie um at all produced or distributed by amazon is that a thing because they showed the amazon logo Um, yeah i i don't think it's 
like produced by them, but I, I do know that they like, they obviously worked closely with them to make those scenes. Like they filmed it in an actual distribution uh, depot. So it's probably like the same deal that you have with like the American military, where it's like, you can use our facilities as long as we get to look over your script and make sure that you're portraying us in a good light. <laughs> Yeah, that's why they didn't spend a lot of time with Amazon. Um, <laughs> they couldn't show them peeing in the bottles or pooping in a bag in a car or <laughs> yeah, something. Right? They, they had to make it look like somewhere you want to go back to every year. Um, yeah. Um, that yeah. So I did think it was interesting that Amazon kept showing up though, because I like I you know I was watching this on Hulu. I was like, this is not an Amazon Prime original. Um, yeah, I, and I mean, I was surprised by that. I expected to see it on Amazon Prime because I knew that you know that they at least worked with Amazon in some respect to make the movie. Right. But I do, I do think um, Frances McDormand was very good. I mean, oh yeah, she was awesome. Uh, she's always she's, great. she's always great. That's not like a surprise, but she was very very good in this movie. Um, her character confused me. Not because of anything she did or because of the script, you know, it's just like, that's her character. Um, right. I mean, we didn't get a lot of background on her in, except for that scene where she goes to visit her sister. Uh, and obviously we learn a lot uh, character wise there. Yes. But uh, there's definitely aspects of her that are still kind of a mystery. And I think it's, you know, it's supposed to be that way. I think so. I think that. What I, what I take from this movie is that, I, you know, the movie sort of leaves you with a, you know, some people just have to go and be on their own and wander. Yeah. Sure. Call me a skeptic, but I don't think humans are meant for, like, lonely wandering for their entire lives. Like, I just don't think we're built for that. And so it was sort of like one of those things where I was like, maybe she just, like, needs to go to a therapist. <laughs> um, maybe. Because, like, yeah. she, I mean, she's clearly got some trauma in her past. Totally fair. Um She's got some like grief that she's still working through again. Totally fair. But maybe she should work through it and not just run from it, which is what it felt like was happening in the end. And I don't know if we were supposed to think that or not. Um, It just seemed like, you know, it just, it felt very bleak to me. And I've, I've talked to some friends who have watched and they were like, Oh, it felt like by the end it wasn't super bleak. And I was like, really? If I went and lived in a van by myself in North Dakota, would you think that was bleak? Because I would think that's fucking bleak. Like, I think, I think it probably depends. Like, I think there's, there's different ways you can look at it. Um, and some of those are pretty bleak indeed. And some of them aren't, uh, I guess it's, you know, it, just like living in a van, it comes down to what kind of person you are. I think you know, living maybe, in a van is fine. Living in a van is fine. I'm talking, that's right for you personally. She, but. she lives in a van, doesn't stay in one place for more than like a month. And doesn't have a companion at all. Like she doesn't have anybody she sees just like constantly for, you know, other than she's at a job, she'll might see them for that entire job, but then she won't see them for the next one. Um, But maybe she will like two jobs later. Um, Like I don't, I don't know that humans are built for that. Like, I don't know that we're built to like live in a van, be solitary, like isolated figures and not have a stable place that we, you know, are connected to. Like, I just don't know that that's like a thing. It makes people happy. And her character doesn't seem happy. I mean, it doesn't seem like a happy person to me. So. No. And in that regard, I think it is a little different from 
Into the Wild, which again, I'm going to draw a parallel with, there's the same sort of feeling there where like, it's like this guy, he's just like wandering around. He meets lots of interesting people, but he always wants to move on because um, his whole thing is being like self-reliant and living off the land and whatever. Um, but there's, you know, there's a difference there. Like he's like some young guy who's like all gung ho about getting out there and seeing stuff. And she's like, she's older. She's, you know, at the age where most people have settled down and like have found somebody that they want to spend their life life with. And she like, she has that option. She meets that guy in the, like of the course of the movie who offers her like a place to stay. And then like, she seems to get along with him pretty well, but she wants to, she, she can't like settle down like that, I guess. Um, Which like, but there is, there is a bit of a sadness in it, like where it feels like it's not quite something that she just is choosing. Cause she's all about like freedom and free spirit. It's more like she just like, she can't restrict herself like that, even if she wanted to. Right. I think if we didn't have the backstory that like she had sort of settled down with somebody previously and then after he passed, that was when she started doing this like nomad life. If we didn't have that backstory, I would think it was just her. But it's like, well, you're clearly like there's clearly a fear of settling down because the one time you did, you know, he passed on and, you know, that sucks and that hurts and you're allowed to feel hurt from that. Um but, you know, I can't help but think that, like, maybe she should see somebody and talk to, like, a grief counselor. Uh, because- well, and I think, <laughs> I think like, at the very end, there is sort of a feeling, um, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler, so feel free to skip a few minutes ahead if you don't want the very end of Nomad Led spoiled. But, you know, she goes back to this company town where she used to live and where she still has all these old things from her old life stored away in storage. And she gives them all away. And she goes and she visits the old house and walks away, drives off into the distance. And I feel like that could represent like moving past something, like giving up on the grief, letting go of something that you're holding on to. So there is a bit of a hopefulness at the end that she might be able to go forward and live a more full life. But it is unclear. Um, right. There's a lot of there's a lot of vagueness and uncertainty in the movie. Um, so, but I think it could be read that way. I think you're right. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's just, it was a tough movie. Um, it was good though. It was really good. Um, there was a lot, there's a lot I liked about it. There was a lot that made me sad. I felt sad watching this movie. Um, yeah. And it's a sad movie. There's, there's a lot of sad people in it, but there's, I mean, there's some hopefulness too. I really liked that like the speech that that guy gave like around the fire towards the end where he's like talking about how like you don't really say goodbye to anyone in this world. You just say like, I'll see you down the road. And obviously like that's, that's sort of a theme in the whole uh, movie that, you know, people. Right. She reencounters so many characters. Yeah. 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 They come back in passing. Um, and, and that's, that's sort of the lifestyle that they're living. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like a really interesting thing. Cause you might think that's ridiculous. Like living out in this vast Midwestern territory, there's so many, like, you know, it's just such a big space. How would you ever see somebody again? But like, you really do, you know, when you're all sort of hopping from the same things to the same things over and over and over again. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's the big like van dweller meetup. 
And then there's all these different kinds of jobs that just lend themselves to living out of a van. So you run into those people again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's an interesting lifestyle. It's an interesting glimpse at like a completely different world that's taking place like right under our noses, um, which I always think is a really cool topic for a movie or a book or anything. Um, but yeah, just, just a very interesting movie, a great story, good characters, great acting, lots of fun. Not not necessarily the most fun movie, but yeah, um, there's fun, some fun stuff I in would, there. I would question that there, one. But, um, there's some fun stuff in there. There's a giant fiberglass dinosaur in this movie. There is a giant, so. and it shows up multiple times. There's the part where they go to a bar and Toby Keith is playing in the background like that. They, t- yeah. they have like tequila shots um, and Toby Keith is playing. Um, do appreciate mm. that moment. Um and the movie's got a lot of joy and sadness. Um, there, yeah, even though it made me sad overall, like I've mentioned, it, there is actually a lot of joy in this movie. Um, there's a lot of love between these different like nomad characters. You know, they clearly care for one another, even if they don't see one another consistently. Um, you know, I think there's a lot. They clearly have affection for one another and and look out for one another, and I think that's really nice. Um, and I think that provides a lot of a lot of joy. Um, yeah, so I, I do think there is a lot of, you know, a lot of that in this movie. I just think overall, I mean, I'm just projecting, but that's like a very sad life to me, you know, and I'm a I'm an introvert. I like spending most of my time alone, but like, I you know, I need, you know, I need a little bit more than that. <laughs> right. There's limits to everything. Yeah. And um, there's no time like the present to test exactly how far you're willing to go as an introvert. Okay. Well, I found out over the past year and month how far I'm willing to go for as an introvert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Pretty sure I know. <laughs> so why don't we move on to a movie that's a little bit happier than that? When we talk about Eurovision Song Contest. Ah! Um, <laughs> it is not my least favorite movie of this Oscar cycle. I will say okay. that. I thought it would be. I thought it would be. But I will say, and uh, you might you might hate me for this. No, I won't. You're going to say you kind of uh, liked it. and I, I love you. this movie. <laughs> so here's my thing. Most So large stretches of this movie I enjoyed. I don't like Will Ferrell and I don't want to look at Will Ferrell and I don't want to see him try. Like, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. You know what else I don't like? I don't like movies that want to be quasi musicals and hire actors and then hire other people to sing their songs. I don't like that. Yeah. That hire people hmm. who sing or don't do a musical. Like I feel very strongly about that and it makes me very angry. Um, I don't like that they hired Dan Stevens and Rachel McAdams and then had other people sing their songs. I don't like that Um, (laughs) because those other people who are singing their songs deserve to be the faces of this movie instead, you know? And I think that's very annoying. Um, This isn't an animated movie where their faces don't matter in the end, you know, like nobody knows who voices certain characters in an animated movie, unless you're Robin Williams in Aladdin. Nobody knows. Like, (laughs) so like, that's different. This is a live action movie. Dan Stevens and Rachel McAdams are getting a lot of like publicity for this movie and they're not the ones singing. And that's really annoying to me. I find that very frustrating <laughs> for that. Very frustrating, especially because I actually really liked the parts where they were singing. I liked the songs. Like I loved 
Dan Stevens song. That fucking weird thing where he's a lion on the savannah. Like, <laughs> like that um, was great. I didn't really, I will admit, I didn't really like the haha, it's a joke that Russia kills its gays. Didn't like that so much. But like, oh dear, yeah. Yeah, like that's questionable. Like, it's not actually funny that this guy is a a very obviously gay man in Russia when Russia literally kills gay people. Like that is a thing that we know they do, you know? Yeah. I, he, that, he's like, he's like, there are no gays in Russia. There's not allowed. Yes. Like it's very upsetting. I don't like that. That was played for laughs. I don't appreciate that. I think that's very problematic. Um, but otherwise there's a, there's well, a, if, if, a lot at of the fun. end, at least he presumably gets to go to Greece and live out his best life in Mykonos or something like yeah, that. One would hope. Um, like, I, you know, there is there is a lot of fun in this movie. It's just, it's weird. I thought the tone was weird. I thought the pacing was weird. The pacing was probably the weakest part of the movie. It should have been like half an hour shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, this really could have been a tight 90. But it's, I think, slightly over two hours. Um it's yeah. like two hours well, and three minutes or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, it's a weird length, and and the problem is like, it there's like long stretches of it when there's not a lot going on, so it's like not a lot why, that matters, like, you know. Yeah, like we could have cut this down, and you know what we really didn't need? Spoiler, full spoiler alert. The weird like conspiracy about Iceland trying to sabotage their own contestants, like. Okay, no, that I like that part though. That part was funny. It was. It didn't do, add anything. It didn't add anything to the story. It was well, nothing. It did. <laughs> it technically did not. Well, it, but it did explain why this completely absurd, ridiculous act made it into the finals at Eurovision. So that's sort of like a a bit of plausibility there. That like they. You know, the guy in charge in Iceland sabotaged all the other contestants so that the worst contestant would go to the contest so they wouldn't win and they wouldn't have to host the contest the next year. I was kind of um, on board with the idea that it was just an absurd explosion, like Final Destination. Like, <laughs> like I felt like that made more sense. Like, it was like, that adds up to the ridiculousness of this movie and to Eurovision, period. Like, like I don't know. But then they were like, oh, and now it's actually like this weird conspiracy where this guy want, doesn't want them to win and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. Um, I also, I really didn't like Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell as a couple. Did not like that. Thought that was bad. Um, they, yeah, they're, they're, it's weird. Like there were definitely like parts of this movie that had like SNL vibes mm-hmm. where it's like, this doesn't make any sense, but it's silly. So we're going with it. Um, and yeah, that was probably one of them. <laughs> yeah. They just felt like, I mean, they didn't have great chemistry. And then like, I just thought Will Ferrell's character was an asshole. And like, he was an asshole for most of the movie. And they didn't, I mean, he like sort of apologized, but not like in any real way. Like, I don't know. It was just sort of like. Well, so his his character arc is like he's a huge asshole. He all he cares about is a Eurovision Song Contest and winning the Eurovision Song Contest, and he's willing to sideline Rachel McAdams' character um, to make himself the like the point of attention and doing like all these crazy shit, like running in a giant hamster wheel and whatever. And at the end, he's 
willing to defer to her, let her sing her song, even though he knows that it's going to get them disqualified and they're not going to win the Eurovision Song Contest, which is the one thing he wants more than anything. But he realizes that, like, that she is more important to him than winning the contest. So that is his arc. It's, it may not be the best one, but it is an arc. And he does sort of go through a transformation through the process of the movie. I just think the movie would have been better if it hadn't been a romantic arc for them. Like if it had been like a platonic friendship arc or something. Yeah. They and like, <laughs> and they kind of hinted in that direction at times. Cause they were like, she might be his sister and all that. Well, well, I, I mean, that like was, the, that was just a small town Iceland joke, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> uh, but yes. Yeah. I also wondered like, if we were going to find out they were related. I kept, thinking, if there was a small town in Iceland where there was a guy who looked like Pierce Brosnan, like that's probably what would happen. So. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I, yeah, I, I really think I would have liked the movie a lot more if that romantic plot had not been there. Um, I, I just didn't yeah. buy it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it made sense. I didn't think it was very compelling. Cause like, I just don't, I, it didn't seem like necessary to like tell the story of these people who like, they do both just want to be singers. Like, you know, um, even if Rachel McAdams also wants like love or whatever, like, she wants to be a singer. Like that's what she wants to do. And so she's a singer. Um, you got, I, I can see the mic birds on her lips. Um, um, Oh no. Oh no. We're, we're getting, we're getting in there. Um, so step away, uh, step away from the edge. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I, d- I didn't hate it the way that I thought I would. Like I, I really did go into this movie thinking I would like have to like chug liquor to get through it. And that's because <laughs> that is literally because I really dislike Will Ferrell that much. And I know that's like sort of blasphemy. I just like don't. And that's it. That's bad. I don't dislike him I'm, as a person. He's like a nice guy. I'm sure. But like, I'm not the biggest fan. I do think he can be very funny at times given the right material. I think um, he's either extremely funny or like unbearable generally. Yes, like that's yes. I, li- I gen- generally think there's no in between with him. And so everything about this movie led me to believe it would be on the unbearable end of it. Um, yes. It actually saved, managed to be the rare occasion where it was like, sort of like, just like middling. Like he was pretty funny right. at times. He was never like totally unbearable. Um, so that was nice. So what saved the movie for me is that it felt like it had like some real heart to it. It did. Yeah. That Like I thought that this was just going to be a movie like being like, Oh, look how dumb this song contest is. And I was like, yeah, well we all know that the Eurovision song contest is ridiculous. So like why, like it's just going to be a bunch of dumb jokes about like Europeans and like how, and weird pop songs, stuff like that. But I did feel like the movie had like a real appreciation for the contest. And in the process, it made me more interested in the contest where I haven't really been in the past. So I thought that it had that going for it. Uh, and also the music was really good. The music was I really so good. Yeah. All the music in this movie, which absolutely carried the film yeah. for me. 100%. Like, I mean, I, I was still listening to songs from this movie like two days afterwards. So, yeah. I definitely love the music and I think that it carries it. And also it has, well, the, the song that is nominated for best song in the Oscars uh, is played in like the big crucial showstopper scene at the climax of the movie. It's very dramatic 
It's very emotional and it plays super well. The song is amazing. It's, it's an incredible moment in the film. And I found out that it's the only song nominated this year that actually plays during the film. That's so annoying. All, all four <laughs> other songs are post-credit songs. So it's the only one that actually has a place inside the film. Um, that drives me insane. So I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely rooting for this one to win best song because I mean, like a great credit song can be important and it can be, you know, crucial to the film landing on a nice dramatic note, but it is in no way the same thing as having a song that perfectly fits into the climax of the film at the emotional high point and makes you like feel real things at the right important time. Um, um, it's the, it's the song. Is it the song that like they play that, that they sing that gets her disqualified? Yes. Okay. That one. I do like the other one, but I like double trouble better, but um, <laughs> double trouble is so much more catchy double and trouble more is fun. So fun. Um, it's very, the other catchy. one is um, like, the other one is like never enough from greatest show. Yes. It's like, <laughs> that's exactly what I compared it to. When I saw it. I was like, okay, yeah, it's just that, like that big dramatic song. That's like supposed to have you breaking down in tears. Yeah. I just, I get of tired of like movie musicals that like do like the big dramatic belting song is the better song quote unquote and it's like that's not necessary sometimes the dumb poppy song is better like and this this movie does have plenty of good dumb poppy songs i uh, love the dan stevens song it is so good <laughs> it is so much fun and it's just about him like cruising it's literally about cruising for gay sex or whatever it's about him being a lion in the night yeah, and like um, God, taking so his good. prey and stuff and there's like so much over the top homosexual innuendo in that song yeah. and there's like oh wow he's so hot it's like okay like he is so clearly gay yeah i also just love that as dan stevens i love dan stevens and i know that's like sort of like you know, sort of a hot take. Some people don't like Dan Stevens because they what? think he's. I love Dan. No, Stevens. some people think he's boring. Um, oh, no. I love him. I he think was he's in, great. He was in the guest. I he love was great the, guest. In the guest. He's so and he's so good in the guest as somebody who looks conventionally boring. Like that's like his mm. role in the guest. Um, and so I love him. Also, I think he's super hot. So he's super hot here. Um, big yes. fan. Big, 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 big fan. Um, so. Love that number. Just really love it. I also love the, I love like the number of like fourth wall breaks in this movie. I thought that was like a really interesting choice. Like half the time when they're singing, they'll look like right at the camera. Um, I thought that was really fun. I thought that was a good choice. It made it feel like you were sometimes watching the Eurovision song contest. Cause you know, yeah, you know, when, when they're playing at the Eurovision song contest, they know they're on camera and they act like it. These people also acted like they were on camera sometimes, um, even when you're they're not supposed to be on camera, um, which I thought was really fun. I thought that was really good. Um, that part in the middle where they're at the party was one of the highlights of the movie for me. That was just like a very that, good moment. That whole thing. that was a wild scene because it like it went on for so long, but they still had so many interesting things to do in there. Yeah. And it was just like there are all these incredibly talented singers just like hanging out and a lot of them were past eurovision performers right i'm not yes yes they had a ton of eurovision alumni in this film um too many to name but lots of super famous people especially from the last few years from a eurovision enthusiast perspective which i am not but like i do watch it when i can um for you know from that perspective it was actually quite good like it's hard to deny that it was like 
this was a good movie about Eurovision. Like, <laughs> you know, it was fun and it like didn't have a negative message about Eurovision, which I think many movies could have a ne- negative negative message about Eurovision and get away with it. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, so I thought it's silly. Yeah, it is very silly. But- it's super silly. I liked I liked their their skewering of Americans in this movie. Yeah, those sun bubbles. Uh, I love that they were there. <laughs> they had that group of Arizona State students who were just like traveling around Europe representing like the worst of Americans. I like how mostly they weren't really representing anything that bad, but Will Ferrell was just yelling things at them. Um, they were just like like kind of dumb, oblivious tourists, and he was just like being super rude to them. And they were like, "Oh, he's just being a silly European, like, right?" Like, no, <laughs> I actually hate you, you miserable Americans. <laughs> yes, um, I also like like the Demi Lovato played the Icelandic singer who got blown up. <laughs> And then, like, all of her subsequent appearances as, like, a horribly scarred ghost. <laughs> so I like when it, I like when it's like, you're not a very helpful ghost. And it's like, yeah, she's, like, the worst <laughs> ghost ever. It's <laughs> like, you like... <laughs> they're 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 trying they're plotting to stop you from winning because they don't want Iceland to win. It's like yeah, I know that. I found that out like two days ago. <laughs> You're not a very helpful ghost. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, that was so All right. good. They were, I love the murderous elves in the movie. I that did was like great. the elves. I want a spin off about the elves. Also, I kept when they kept talking about the elves. I'm not gonna fucking lie. I kept thinking about Frozen and the like the rock <laughs> trolls. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, that was exactly what I pictured because they never show the elves, but I was picturing I do, like those little rock. I do men. like how the elves had homes. I like when they go to like give something. You're like, we're gonna deliver something to the elves, and Will Ferrell's like, the elves are not real, but they're like little homes in the mountains. It's like, who builds these homes? Like, what do you mean they're not like real? I'm, <laughs> I feel like I've actually seen something like that though. That like people right, like people actually build, build little yeah, elf yeah, houses yeah. as like a just like a like a joke really. But in this, they're very real apparently. <laughs> um, I liked oh so there is as we mentioned in the last episode, there's a song called "Running with the Wolves" in Wolfwalkers that we thought should be nominated for best song, but so it good. wasn't an original so song. Good. Yeah. But there is an original song in this also called Running with the Wolves. That's true. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, that is that ridiculous. Like, <laughs> It's performed by that weird costumed band yes. from like, I don't know, somewhere in Eastern Europe. They look like, vi- uh, they look like furries. <laughs> They're just like. <laughs> There's like this weird skeletal guy singing, I thought I was alone. Oh, <laughs> yes. I kept thinking the whole time. Right. Not for that. It was the band. That I was like, oh, my God, it's Guar. They're up there. Yes. They're basically <laughs> just Guar alongside like some female heavy metal pop singer. The, the classic uh, like gothic <laughs> orchestral metal female singer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, that was a weird, like that, that was one of many like really short songs that they threw in there that we got to see like other groups performing, but it was, you know, it, it worked for its little short length there. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, I definitely would not mind a sequel to this movie where we just explore more of the songs. Like I just want like a full, like full fledged musical would be like on, I'm fine with that. Um, so I'm just letting people know that if they want to do a Eurovision two where it's just a musical, I'd be happy. Bring back Dan Stevens. Um, give him a love interest. That would make me happy. Um, yes, make a musical all about Dan Stevens's new life in Greece. Oh my god, it's just Mamma Mia! 
<laughs> yes, just do do a gender swap, Mamma Mia, with Dan Stevens. Wait, oh my god, it's Impreg. Um, <laughs> Impreg fanfic Eurovision. Oh no, <laughs> Jesus! We've gone too far. We've gone too far here. Uh, yeah, you're right. Too far, but I'm on board. I'd watch it. Um. I would love to watch a fan fiction movie where it was literally impreg. Man, that would make me so happy. Uh, <laughs> Does one exist? Uh, if you know of one, buzzonmovies at gmail.com. We will um, review what's that, that. What's that literal movie with like Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's having a baby? Um, oh my God. Uh, Junior? Junior? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is an early example of impreg yeah, fanfic. That is You're right. Impreg. Um, oh, God, wow. that movie is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> remember that movie when he goes my body my choice and it's like a joke and you're like no we can't do oh, this boy. Um, so yeah um, anyway moving on we watched Eurovision that was good yeah so it was it was fun it was a nice light-hearted fun movie to break up some kind of sad and you know what I also liked watches. about it nobody was really a villain other than the Icelandic mischievous man um, yeah like, like even Dan Stevens was like set up as a villain, but really like he was rooting for them at the end, even though he obviously right. wanted he, to win. The he contest. wanted he wanted to win, and he wanted her to like find success. But like he wasn't really like he didn't try to sabotage them, you know, like not in any real way. Yeah. So he was a good guy yeah. for the most part. Like he was just against them in the contest. I mean, he took like, her out drinking when he shouldn't have, when she shouldn't have been <laughs> out drinking. But that's just being a gay man. You take your yeah. straight women out drinking. Like I don't feel like he did that to sabotage her. He was just like, that was the vibe he was going yeah, with. That's and just like, she went along with when it. you're a gay man and you find a fag hack, you just take her. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what you do. You're just like, let's get fucking drunk when we have work tomorrow like and she's like yeah <laughs> so that's just life you know that's what it's yeah. like being a gay person um <laughs> you gotta go with it i mean eurovision looked like a fucking party oh so my god why would you not let's go just like <laughs> business <laughs> business retreat to eurovision um, we need to see if it's actually like it was in the movie we can and we can take a business retreat to eurovision this? and then while we're over in europe we can go find the trolls from um What's that movie with the trolls that we had to watch from Border? <laughs> oh God, that that would be truly troubling. Do we have to watch their mating ritual? Absolutely, fucking not. Where- um, oh my God, you haven't seen the one and only Ivan. You haven't seen oh, the no. one and only Ivan, oh, which has a scene that reminds me of their mating ritual. Oh my oh, God. No. Um, oh, I'm troubled now. Oh That's, God, I hated that movie. Um, that might be moving to the top of the list now. Oh, the um, one and only Ivan was my least favorite movie of the Oscars watched so far. I hated. Wow, it. I really Ooh. did not like it. Um, you might like it more than me. I thought that it was the blandest shit you could ever imagine. It was a Dumbo ripoff. I know it's based on a book, so and like the book is based on reality, so that's like a whole thing. But like, <laughs> it was just like so bland. It was like this glossy version of like animals in captivity are sad and it was like hmm and it was like maybe the guy who has him in captivity isn't a bad person it was like but like he he's keeping a like a gorilla in captivity by himself in a home so like that's bad like that's a bad thing you shouldn't do that like that gorilla needs more space like <laughs> what are we doing like it was just like I, anyway i just did not like that movie i didn't gorillas like, need space i didn't it's... like that it was talking animals like didn't like it i didn't like 
you know, I just, I didn't like the talking gorilla. I didn't like the talking elephant, which was the little girl from the Florida project. I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't like that there was a silky chicken that was voiced by Shaka Khan. Like, I was just like, what are we doing? Like, okay. <laughs> like there's just so much to unpack here. Um, I did not like that movie. Interesting. I really did not like it. So when I say, like, I went in thinking Eurovision would be my least favorite movie. It like when I watched the one and only Ivan, I was like, nothing can compare to how much I dislike this movie. And like this movie oh, wow. doesn't do anything to merit the amount of distaste I have for it. It was just like, I feel more strongly about animal captivity than this movie does. And that's annoying because this movie is literally about animal captivity. So like, yeah. you know, like that's just like an annoying sensation to have where it's like, it's sort of like, you know, like voting for Joe Biden. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that. It was sort of like, well, I got to do it. But like, like, yeah, that's Joe a Biden step in brought the, to you by Disney. Plus. It was like, yeah, that's a step in the right direction. But like, it's not enough. Like, that's how I felt about the one and only Ivan. Um, except for like oh even God. worse, because like, I actually think Joe Biden's platform, even though he never intended to, to like actually act on most of his platform was quite good um, in terms of America. But like, you know. One and only Ivan was like, just like bland. It's just like, okay, we get it. Like, it's sad. Like, it didn't even want to like, like, I don't, it was just very annoying. It's very annoying. Anyway, what, how did I start talking about this? Why did, why was I so mad about it? Um, You're saying something like the, one of the scenes in Border was similar to this. Oh yeah. Well, because there are CGI animals and there are multiple elephants that have trunks that are CGI. Just imagine. Um, oh yeah mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well. one of the elephants is angelina jolie um who like i guess still acts but like does she because she was in this but like um sorry angelina yeah um, um she's gonna be in something soon i think i saw it is it a Tomb Raider sequel? Because I would love to see another Tomb Raider movie. No, it should be. That would be great. <laughs> um, I'd be, de- I'd definitely be down for that. All right. Well, so definitely looking forward to that now. It's like <laughs> it's, gonna it's not good. as interesting as I make it seem. That one scene though, with the, with the thing I'm talking about, is like literally one of the more bizarre things that I've seen in a while. I was like, why would mm-hmm. you film this? This is obviously not a good scene. It's like emotionally unsettling and like. It looks like Cthulhu. Like, I don't know. It's just like a lot is going on. Um, is there anything else we've both seen? Have you Farmageddon. seen Trial of the Chicago? Yeah. Well, have you seen Trial of the Chicago 7? No, not first? yet. No. No, you haven't seen that? Uh, like, I mm, I was not a fan. But we'll get to that I don't think I'm looking time. forward to it. Because <laughs> everybody like, I know has not liked it. <laughs> there's a lot of Sorkinism in there. It's, God, it's he's so annoying. Rough, he's so fucking oh, annoying. God. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, there's literally like in the movie, there's literally like a, and then everyone got up and clapped and Albert Einstein tipped his hat to me type moment. And I was just like, oh my fucking God. He makes me want um, to punch myself in the face. <laughs> God, it's so annoying. And I so, say that as a, I'm a huge The Social Network fan. But, um. <laughs> oh yes, I love The Social Network. That's what's so strange to me is that like The Social Network is maybe one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. And it was written by Aaron Sorkin, who sure most it, of it, his work I just cannot stand. Wait, was it ten years? It was. Oh, you're right. Did it come out in 2008? I was going to say, was it, it like 09? <laughs> I was thinking it was 2011, but you're right. It was. It was uh, like either 2008 or 2009. So yeah, it's, it's 2010. It's 2010. Over. So it is. Um, okay, slightly over ten yeah. years, um, but 
you know. Okay, so one of my favorite movies of the 2010s then. Yeah. Um, I fucking love that movie, but, but yeah. Agreed, yeah. yeah but he movie. is so fucking annoying otherwise. Jesus Christ. Um, mm. Remember the newsroom? I mean, God, kill me. Um, <laughs> like, oh, boy. Just like every time so you we'll, watch him. We'll get to that. That might be like the... Um, that might take the hillbilly elegy slot in our next uh, episode, but um, why don't we close out and talk about Sean the Sheep, a <laughs> a perfectly fine movie that was exactly what I expected. You know what? To you be. know what I want to say about this movie? Underrated and unfairly maligned. This movie got <laughs> kind of negative reviews. It was really? good. It was a it good, was good movie. Like it was. It was exactly the, like the same thing as the the first Sean the Sheep movie to me, which is like it's it's fun, it's lighthearted. There's a lot of silly moments in there that made me laugh, and it's good storytelling without any dialogue, which is always a plus for me. I thought it was very cute, and I thought I saw some bad takes on it floating around, and I was like, "All right, listen, this is a cute movie." Oh God, yeah. I can't. No. I'm drinking seltzer and I, I now have like <laughs> gas in my chest. Um, oh boy. Um, we will not hear any disparagement of Sean the Sheep in this house. No, big fan, big fan. It's no Wallace and Gromit, but like it's a nice, you know, it's the same thing. Um, I just, the aliens themselves, I had questions about. Like, <laughs> why did they look like weird blob Pokemon? Like, um... <laughs> I do think the alien design could have been a little more unique. Can we compare unusual. these aliens to the fourth kind? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so why don't we talk about the fourth kind, a movie that we have never discussed before on this podcast. Um, There's the, uh, <laughs> um, the irony of that is that I'm, um, is not ironic but my my friend tweeted the other day and she was like oh my god i'm just like kind of drunk and going off on tangents now (laughs) she was like she was like there's been an owl outside my window every day for the past few weeks and it's getting annoying and i was like no (laughs) move move run away you're gonna get taken (laughs) it's not an owl it's not an owl I was so scared. I literally DM'd her and I was like, have you seen the fourth kind? And she was like, no. And I was like, don't watch it as long as the owl is out there. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do, don't watch the movie and don't open your window. You're going to be traumatized forever. (laughs) But I did think, I thought this movie was very cute. You know what I didn't like? That it kept playing like, I'm just so sick of contemporary movies for kids playing like contemporary pop music. I know that's like a bad complaint to have, but it's like, I don't need to hear Kylie Minogue sing her newest song every time. (laughs) I just don't need to hear it. Um, I don't need it. At least it was just the end credits. No, it was throughout, but thank you. Um, It was. Okay. Well, there was the end credits that was, uh, they Very put, upbeat and poppy. Yeah, so much of it was upbeat and poppy. And I know this because I just watched it like two days ago. So I like have very just dis- by two days ago, I mean literally yesterday. Um I watched it after My Octopus Teacher, which was a very good movie. Um mm. but yeah, I really liked a Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. I'm just a big fan. Also, I want to go to the farmer's bad alien theme park. <laughs> I do want to go. Yeah. Um, that looks like fun. That looks like the kind of thing where I'd go and just like 
eat a few shr- I'd eat some shrooms and just have the fucking time of my life, man. Like <laughs> I'd be in the meteor pit that's just a ball pit and be like, it's Tumblr Dash Con. Um, oh my god. <laughs> An extra hour in the ball pit. <laughs> um so oh god, I can't believe we made a dash con joke on a podcast. Um in twenty twenty one, no less. Um yeah, I thought it was very good. I liked it. I thought it was very sweet. Um, I just thought it was good. It's just a good movie. They're good. They're cute. It's so cute. How can you go wrong with a Shaun the Sheep movie? It's just sheep. You can't. It's sheep. Shaun the Sheep is always entertaining. They run around and, and they're sheep. I love sheep. I love sheep. I ate lamb the other day, so I don't know how much I love sheep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you ate Shaun. I ate Shaun. It's like when I eat deer and be like, you ate Bambi. I'm like, well, Bambi's a fictional <laughs> character, so I don't know if that's true. Oh, um, so you ate Bambi's mom. So. I literally did eat Bambi not long ago when I watched Wrong Turn, <laughs> as you'll recall. Um, um, oh, no. Um, I, I liked it. I love Shaun the Sheep. I'm just a big fan of like animated sheep. And I love this animation style. I think it's really, I think it's very endearing and I, I think it's oh yeah the the Ardman yeah style I just love the, it so much yeah so it's the same stuff from uh, Wallace and Gromit well that makes sense I, I like because it. it's yeah it's a spinoff um <laughs> it's like it's like a it's Jeez, like a Gromit. claymation it's kind of like a claymation version of the Far Side yeah that's what I always think of it like yeah I just thought it was sweet um I love it big fan big fan um. I really enjoyed it. And I like watched it while I was like doing some work. Cause I had to work on this past Saturday and um, it was like a really Oof. nice, like distraction while I was working. I was cause it was like mindless, like uh, a data entry. Um, so it's like, I can watch a movie while I do data entry. So I watched this movie and I was like, this is like the perfect movie for while I'm doing data entry. Like, I don't really have to like, you know, nobody's saying anything. I'll tell you that. Um, right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought it was very good. I really liked it. I don't think it should win Best Animated Feature, but it was quite good. Um, Probably not. I'm still pulling for Wolfhawkers. I haven't seen. In I haven't seen Over the Moon yet, so I don't want to say that. Right. Same. I do think. So, Over the yeah, Moon, that's the last one for me because the the, the, the outlook on that is that Over the Moon looks very good in my mind. Um, so I you know I don't want to comment on what I like, but Wolfwalkers otherwise so far has been my favorite. So, so you watched Onward recently. I saw it a long time ago. Yes. Um, but yeah, we should t- l- talk about that a bit before we close out. I liked Onward. I thought that... Um, I thought Onward got a sort of like slightly negative rep. I mean, it's sort of like... It's very... I guess it, it is sort of like typical. Like there's nothing that, about it that's like, you know, super new uh story wise yeah. um i'm just sort of a sucker for fantasy elements and like those sorts of high fantasy elements like the 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 class what we think of as classic high element classic the real classic like, high fantasy is sort of like a thing that i'm you know i'm very into like dungeons and dragons Lord of the rings type fantasy that's a thing that yeah. i'm very invested in. elves and griffins yeah. and liches love, and all that i stuff. love that shit and um it's hard you know even if it's very, very bad, I will at least like enjoy it on some level. If that's the vibe you're going for. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I'm a huge sucker for brother stories. 
big fan mm. of brother stories. As somebody who is not close with his brother for a lot of reasons, I have a soft spot for stories where brothers make amends or come together or, you know, grow closer. That's like a, a big, it's just like a kick in my heart. So big fan, big fan of it. I cried watching it. Um, yeah. I also loved the dragon born of the rubble from the school at the end. With that <laughs> stupid dragon face. That was so that good. That made me laugh so hard. It was stupid. I like it just turned and it had that doofy face. And I was like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the face gets angry. Yeah, <laughs> so it was so good. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked Onward. Uh, I don't have a lot of complaints about it. I do feel like, you know, for like being a Pixar movie, most of them like sort of subvert some sort of expectations. Whereas this movie, other than being like set in the weird world that it is, is pr- pretty much plays out exactly how you'd expect. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a fun movie and yeah, it's, it's heartwarming. It's got a fun relationship between like the two brother characters. It's like, and they go on a really interesting journey. Um, that's of also it has eighties heavy metal. It's sort of like the vibe. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. There is a bit of that. There, so. we, we are very fond of that. Um, God, you're just going to buy a van and like paint a unicorn on the side, aren't you? And then I'll become Francis <laughs> McDormand. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a real thing that happens. Um, Stay tuned, folks. Um, me becoming Francis McDormand. More like I'll become, um, what's that horror movie? Um, um, the, the one where it's like uh, the girls in the 80s and they kill people because they're in the satanic cult. Um, oh, satanic panic. No, not oh, but that's what? a good one. Um, no, it has the, and it has um. Oh my god, what's is it, it recent? Yeah, it's on Netflix too, and it has uh-huh. uh, it has oh my god, it has Taylor Swift's brother. I can picture it. <laughs> um, he's one of the guys who gets killed, but um, Taylor Swift's brother. Okay, well, he's, uh, he's an actor, I... Austin Swift. He's an actor. Um, of course, yes. It's like it's called like oh, we are the darkness. It's called we are the dark. Oh, yeah. okay, um, okay. And it, and the actress, the main actress, she's like a person we know. Um, oh my god, this is gonna bog bo- bother <laughs> bother me if I can't figure it out. We summon the darkness. We summon the darkness. Okay. Alexandra Daddario. Yes, we all know Alex. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, um, and Johnny Knoxville. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Johnny Knoxville's yeah, in it. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. So. Um, Yes. Oh my God, Johnny Knoxville. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna be like them. I'm gonna travel around in my van to '80s rock shows, but also just murder people. Um, You're gonna kill people. All right. So uh, FBI, just keep that in mind. Uh, he has laid out his plans. Watch out! <laughs> um, um, don't uh, don't worry. I literally wouldn't have it in me to kill somebody. I like I'm very harmless um he's he lives in new york he can't even have a car like come on wow that was rude i got it i got an email from my car dealership this weekend and i was like what's wrong with you and they were like we contacted you because you recently contacted us about buying a new car and i was like i didn't this is so, so sweet um i didn't do that you're in colonial heights you're not, in virginia so they can confirm that i, did I didn't do that you. but thanks for thinking about yeah. me um <laughs> Trust me, if I could have a car, I would. I want a car. 
but I know how expensive that would be in New York City, and so I know better. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Um, I've been I've been looking at old hearses on eBay again. Oh my god, Eli! <laughs> Just going through one of those phases. We should get a, we should get a um a bomb officially licensed car, <laughs> <laughs> an official an official bomb hearse that we drive around in, um, and we can podcast out of the back. Oh my god, and then we can go to like movie premieres. We can like go in our little hearse. We can go to drive-ins. Yeah. yeah. Um, It'd be great. That'd be so fun. Um, oh God, I need to get a hearse now. Um, I'm about to buy a hearse. I'm about to. You can have, you can get an old one for like $5,000. I could do that. Um, Surprisingly affordable. They have a lot of miles on them generally. I mean, that's fine. With me. It's not like I drive much. Um, especially now. Where do I go, Teddy? Where do I go? Where do I go? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you could also, you know, you could buy the hearse. You could live out of the back like in Nomadland. I would not live out of the back of a hearse because that <laughs> becomes much creepier when you think about the fact that it's a hearse. Um, I, yeah, we were talking about Onward. Onward. <laughs> and I did like it. And I would buy a van and paint a unicorn on the side. That is true. I just want to be clear mm-hmm. about that. I would do that. Yes. Um, Maybe not a large white van. That's like setting yourself up for people thinking that you're creepy. But yeah, you know, right. I guess you do what you can. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have any other choices, you buy the white van. But, you know, you just got to you have to paint like not going to kidnap you on the side. And then people will know that you're harmless. Right. I guess what I liked about Onward I mean, the voice cast was just very good. I love Tom Holland and Chris Pratt together. I thought they were they had like a really good chemistry as voice actors. Um, that's, that's true. I know it's sort of not trendy to enjoy Chris Pratt anymore, but I thought he was quite good. Um, it's true. I mean, he was perfect for the role that he played. He, was. he yeah. absolutely fit that part so well. Yeah. Tom Holland, also a perfect fit. Um, and they had great chemistry, like you said, and, um, just overall, yeah, great voice cast. Um, you know, what's weird is that it's hard not to think that they have great chemistry because of Marvel. Um, (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's a Marvel crossover. (laughs) I mean, it's literally, ultimately it all rolls back up to Disney. So yeah, Disney, Disney (laughs) might've written this into their contracts for the Marvel movies. Like, oh, you also have to do this weird uh, high fantasy Pixar movie that we're doing. That's it's like, okay, you know, too bad for them. But like, I, I don't know. Like, it's not like my favorite and I will never like, I don't need to like see it a million times, but I could like totally see myself watching this on like a rainy day. If I wanted to, you know, like I thought it was like, yeah. it was silly. I could watch it while like cooking and like getting a laugh out of it while I'm doing that, you know? And I think there's value in that sort of movie too. The sort of movie that you want to put on while you're doing other things. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I thought it was that kind of movie and I thought it would be very good for that. Um, you know, it wasn't my least favorite Pixar movie. So that's a plus. What is your least favorite Pixar movie? Fucking Cars. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. I still have not seen any of the Cars movies. I just like don't so. need it. I don't need it. Um, 
What's have they had it? What what's another one that's bad from them? Have they had any bad ones? Um, I don't know. I mean, nobody saw the good dinosaur, so I don't know whether that was bad or not. Probably was, but nobody saw it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, usually you get them on the seat. Well, like I mean, Incredibles two was just like all right. It wasn't amazing. Um, I honestly don't know if I've it seen wasn't, that. <laughs> but it wasn't bad either. And like all the Toy Story movies, like usually you get like the sequels. That's where you can be like, oh, that was a bad movie. But all the Toy Story movies were great. I mean, if anything, two and three were like better than the first one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I haven't seen the Cars movie. So oh, but what, Toy like, Story planes? 4 was not better than the first ones. Um, okay, Toy Story 4 was weird. Yeah, but they were good. I mean, it was all right. It wasn't it was just bad. Like this. It was just like fine. It didn't make any sense when put alongside the other trilogy, right. like it's like, why did they make four? It's like, it, it was a decent story, but it's like, it, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit the rest of the arc of the story, but okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I've never like hated a Pixar movie. No, me neither. So I can't, I, mean, I didn't even, I didn't like, even hate like cars. Although I really, the, the first cars was like fine, but the, the second two, I was like, really do not need. I do not need these. Um, so, but um, I recognize that some people like them, but I cars two and cars three were not for me, but mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah, I've never really like hated a Pixar movie. Yeah. The cars movies serve a purpose. They're big money makers. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, Pixar is just, pretty much always at least a certain level of quality. It's hard to say like what the worst one is, but you always get at least a decent level of quality and sometimes a remarkable level of quality. You know, yeah, you usually hope for the remarkable, but <laughs> no. I mean, for a while there's like every movie was just like next level unprecedented quality which was like a really untenable standard to live up to yeah um, i mean when you're making like wally and up like back to back and the incredibles and yeah i mean i don't know we're getting we're getting off the rails here we are. but <laughs> yeah we <are>. um <laughs> onward onward was fun um i don't you know, necessarily think it's going to be best animated, but who knows? I mean, like we have to be realistic about this. So I still, of the four movies that I've seen, I think Wolf Walkers is the best in my mind. Yes. I think Wolf Walkers is the best, but I think soul is the better winner. Like I think soul might win over Wolf Walkers. Soul, soul probably has the, the Oscar Academy vote. Yeah. Um, so that's the one to beat in my mind. Like, you know, Pixar always does very well at the Oscars and of the two, that's definitely the stronger one. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just up to like, can you beat soul? Uh, I think I, I do think that soul is like more likely to win, but I, you know, I do think Wolf Walkers is better, but again, I haven't seen over the moon. So we'll see. I might come out thinking over the moon is better, but yeah, who knows? Anything can happen. We're still relatively early in our Oscars watches, but we've got two weeks left. 
So two weeks of two movies every day. Um, buckle in. We are going to be going full throttle, just like Nicolas Cage and Drive Angry. Whoa! <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be out there just running and gunning, and hopefully we're gonna make it across the finish line this time. I am. Um, I'm determined. All right, that's the spirit. I'm 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 in too. I'm making it. One way or another, I mean, like I said, you know, we have more free time than ever before. So, um, I mean, what's stopping us? Nothing. Other than our willingness to watch hours worth of films. So, yeah, we're doing it. April 25th, folks. That's the deadline. And that is, we hope um, to... 14 days from now? Am I crazy? Yeah. So... Yeah, that's right. So we'll hope that we'll be we'll be recapping the Oscars, having watched everything by then. Um, and until next time, you can find us on all the major platforms. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also reach out to us, uh, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com or on Twitter at buzzedonmovies. And until next time, We'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the virtual cinema. Oh, wait, hold on. Ah! One second. <laughs> One of us actually went to the movies oh. this week. <laughs> I can't believe we like skipped over that. Well, we went almost two hours without talking about this. So yeah, try tell me about this experience because I'm hoping that this is in my near future. I went to the movies. Um, yes. I went to the movie theater. Um, look, I'm very excited. Um, so I, I want to preface this by saying I am double vaccinated by the Pfizer vaccine. Um, nice. I don't want to thank Pfizer themselves because fuck Pfizer, but like, (laughs) you know, thank you to the people who gave me this vaccine twice. Um, not twice, but two doses of the vaccine. Um, and I have now gone to the movies. I went to see the Oscars nominated live action and animated shorts. Um, and I went to the Nighthawk in New York city in Brooklyn. Yes. Um, which is a theater that I love very dearly. I live across the street from one of them. So it's very important to me that, you know, I support them. When I can, um, it was, it was actually a great experience. So one thing I should note is that the, the staff of the Nighthawk is vaccinated. And so that alleviates a lot of my concern, you know, um, That's good. as a vaccinated yeah. person, I don't necessarily, when I go out, I'm not necessarily worried about myself anymore. Like it's sort of like, well, could I potentially contract the disease and then spread it and be a vector? I don't want to be a vector for disease. Um, but yeah. knowing especially that staff, to people who, you know, have to show up to work. So, right. Right. So good to know, knowing that, the staff is vaccinated helps a lot because, you know, I, I live alone. I don't, I don't go into an office really. So I don't have to worry about spreading it to people like that. Um, so like going into a, into a movie theater is like, you know, that would be one way that I would potentially have to worry about it. Um, uh, so I did, I didn't have to worry about that. So that was really nice. Um, and you know, if people go to the movies and aren't vaccinated, you know, not to be a sociopath, but that's on them. Um, so if they do that, that's, you know, I wouldn't do that if I weren't vaccinated is all I'm going to say. But, um, 
So, yeah. uh, but it was actually a really good experience. I mean, it was very bizarre. Like I walked in the movie theater and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm inside a building. Um, and like, you know, the only times I'm inside a building now are like to pick up groceries. Like I never go into a building for anything else. Um, so I was like, wow, I'm here now. Um, and so, you know, they make you do a temperature check when you go in, which is, you know, it is what it is. Um, and it's like a scan. And then they, they're like very cautious about like distancing. They don't let people sit within two seats of you on either side. And then like every other row is blocked off. So nobody's definitely nobody's within six feet of you. There's like a 0% chance of that. And, um, so it was actually like a really good experience on that front because like, you know, I felt pretty safe about it. Uh, I didn't feel like they were, you know, they were definitely taking it seriously. Um, I don't necessarily know how their air filtering system was. Um, but I'm assuming it wasn't worse than it was before. And it was already an air filtering system. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, that's interesting. Like I I know a lot of these theaters have installed like special filtration systems uh, in the wake of the pandemic. Yes. And um, they're trying to like going forward, that's going to be an additional safety measure that a lot of theaters have. So I know that um, the syndicated, which is the other like theater that I really like in Brooklyn, um, has made a big deal of their new HVAC system. Um, and I'm going there to see the documentary shorts. And Ooh, boy. yeah, um, that's going to be fun. That's always an experience. I've also, since I moved to New York, I've never seen the documentary shorts anywhere else. Like it's the only place I've ever watched them. So huh. it seems right to go back again, you know, um, even though. Do you? What? Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no. What were you going to say? Oh, do you know how long the documentary shorts are this year? Out of curiosity. I do think my... Is it going to be one program? Um, It is one program. It is one program. Um, Okay. At least at this place. Um, But let me see if I can find the exact run time. Because in the past, you know, sometimes it's so long that they, (laughs) they break it up into two... And even if it's just one, it's still like a long program. It's 136 um, minutes. Um, okay. Well, that that actually sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah. Uh, just a touch over two hours. And, you know, I haven't looked up any of them. Um, I'm assuming that like one's going to be about COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one's going to be you know, <laughs> like, there's just going to be some things that I don't want to see in them. Um, but that's not, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. they've made. I never know anything going into the shorts, so it's always a surprise. They have uh, made a big deal about their new HVAC system at the at the syndicated, and so you know, that's good for them. Um, one thing they haven't done is like the Nighthawk is like really intense about its reserved seating. The syndicated does not have reserved seating for this movie, um, so I don't really know what the policies are on like if somebody sits directly next to me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah <laughs> if somebody's just like fuck it i'm gonna sit here and like again mm. i'm not like super concerned for myself um i know my risk and it's very very low i'm concerned if they do not have the same luxury that i have of being vaccinated and like i could potentially be an asymptomatic carrier <laughs> like you know um it's a weird time you know, i, I will get this. tested yeah 
regularly as I move forward, since I'm doing some things now, but like testing has a natural lag. There's like a few days where even if you have it, you will test negative. That's the nature of this virus. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it just seems like, you know, that's questionable to me that they don't have reserved seating. I think that the Nighthawk, even if their air filtration is like not as like brand new as the syndicated, at least they're like distancing you. Um, That seems like a better choice (laughs) than Mm -hmm. like general seating. Even if like the capacity is direct is severely limited, which is true of the syndicated, they're still doing like, it's like 25% capacity. Um, Yeah. That's still like, you know, if it's 25%, but everybody sits all directly next to one another, that's like a crisis. So, and you would hope people would naturally distance themselves. But as I've seen in pre pandemic times, there are people who sit right next to you, even in a completely empty theater. So you never know what sort of weirdos you're going to run into. That's true. I will say that people at the, at the syndicated are probably on average, a little more left-leaning and a little like, you know, like they're going to, they care about this sort of thing. <laughs> like, right. So they, they probably <laughs> won't sit directly next to me, but it is like a concern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, there is a theater near me that has opened up and I am about a week off of being fully vaccinated. Woo! So I'm looking forward to maybe checking that out. Um, it's looking like they've got like very limited seating um, and it's reserved seating as well. So they've got like rows blocked off and everything, which looks good. So I'm hopeful that that is something that's in my future. Probably not going to see any of the Oscar movies there, um, but I might end up seeing like Godzilla versus King Kong or something. And that would be so good on a big screen. Oh my God. <laughs> I just want to see something crazy, like either that or like there's some there's a couple horror movies that are coming out, yeah. and I would love to see a horror movie in a theater. Yeah, oh my days, god, so. I would love to go see like a shitty thirty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes horror movie. Just and that, just that real god. sweet spot February horror god, movie, Jesus, just like I'm a so happy. Just like a, a truth or dare Fucking or like a Blumhouse fantasy Blumhouse island. Blumhouse fantasy island. Um, <laughs> Just a, I love, love me a good like post pandemic Jeff Wadlow movie. <laughs> That's all we need. Jeff Wadlow. Jeff Wadlow should direct the COVID movie, the official COVID horror movie. <laughs> no. It would be so bad. I would fucking love it. It would be bonkers, though. It would be it would be crazy in just the right way, so like we loved. God, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait till we're seeing like mediocre horror movies in theaters again and yelling about them in a group text. <laughs> that is what this podcast is about, and that's what we've been missing out on. It's just not the same when you watch them at home. The difference is that like both of us before were doing like AMC A list, so we were like. <laughs> You know, we were seeing three movies a week. So it's like I, I went out and spent my time to see this movie in a theater. Yeah, and it was it was three <laughs> movies a week. So like you can like you can see a lot of movies on three <laughs> movies a week. Um, you can really delve down into stuff you wouldn't. You normally can hit. Be you can out. scrape the bottom of the barrel there. Um, 
So we got to see a lot of bad shit. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping the Regal near me opens up soon because they have a subscription. Oh, uh, the Regals are then... opening up soon. Um, oh, I got yes. I got a notification from Regal. Let me see if I can. I'm gonna be living there. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. That's gonna be my my second home. Let me see if I can um, find the thing. They they sent me one. It was like it's coming really soon. Maybe that was just a New York thing, but it was like very very soon they're opening. Um. But yeah, I'm just I'm excited to be getting back to the theaters. I'm excited that we're at a place where it feels like we can do this safely, that we're, you know, getting people vaccinated, that theaters might survive this cuz, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are saying that they wouldn't. And <laughs> it's still up in the air, but I think that, you know, there's a desire to see movies in theaters. People are dying for it. And once everybody can fully safely go back to theaters, I think we're going to see an explosion in the theaters. The box offices are going to be higher than ever. And summer's coming up, so hopefully we're going to get some big blockbusters out of it. Yeah, is there anything big coming out other than Spiral from the Book of Saw? <laughs> Spiral from the Book of Saw mm. coming out in May. Um very excited Plus about Saw that. 10 have- not long after. <laughs> Um, yes yes we have there there are like confirmed rumors out there that uh saw 10 is in the works so they're already moving ahead before they what are our theories spiral. about this i think that spiral is going to be like a literal like spinoff like it's not going to have like jigsaw at all um but i think that like saw 10 is like gonna be jigsaw like it's gonna be ooh, like a that's an interesting Like, theory. it's going to be like so John Kramer is back. You think there will be like a copycat killer for Spiral, but then Saw 10 will literally have John Kramer in, or or somebody who is like a direct associate of his. Well, I really fucking hope it's not what's his name from Jigsaw. But like, yeah, um, <laughs> I do. I do. So I think that Spiral. Logan. I think that Spiral from the Book of Saw. I mean, even the title has made it clear it's not trying to be like in Saul, like direct canon, right? Yeah, so, that's that's a good point. I, like, I think they're sort of telling us that it's a spinoff of some sort. It's hard to say, but I think it is safe to say that everything is coming up for Saw fans. We are days. like, we did this. I really think we <laughs> yeah. did this. And and I don't think it's going too far to say that we might have played some hand. We in really, I mean, I mean, this is like, it's crazy that we're sitting here right now and there are <laughs> two Saw movies coming up and we know all about All I'm them. saying is, as soon as we started talking about this stuff, all of a sudden stuff started happening. Yeah. So I'm just saying... You know, we might be part of the the put the new push of Saw's popularity. We are. Who knows? We and are what they welcome, call America. Billy's puppets. We are. <laughs> we are the part of the Jig Squad. We are the Jig we Squad. Are... <laughs> um, I fucking yeah! Wow. We are all apprentices we, to the great master. We're apostles. We're apostles. Mm. Um, oh my god, Easter. Um, <laughs> so, I I love it. Um, I'm very excited about what comes next. I loved the trailer for Spiral from the Book of Saw. It looks like the movie might be questionable, but I loved that it ended on like a clip of like Samuel L. Jackson in a in a trap that looks like he might get ripped limb from limb. 
imagine Samuel L. Jackson getting ripped limb from limb in a Saw movie. Where are oh, we? Yeah. <laughs> that could be really nice. Like getting like deep blue sea vibes here. It's just like it's yeah. just like the um the credibility that that lends to the franchise, right? Of like a name like Samuel L. Jackson being like, you know what? I will go into this movie and I will step into a trap in which I get like my limbs ripped off one by one. Like that would lend so much credibility to the entire franchise. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think is sorely needed. Cause I think it lacks that not, ne- you know, partially through its own fault, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I'm very excited. I'm super excited about the next like year and a half as a saw fan. So you know, we're going to get like, yes. we're going to get at least one new movie and maybe two because Saw movies usually turn out pretty quickly. So, um, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a Saw fan. And well, now we've, we've had the requisite Saw talk. We've referenced Rock of Ages and we've talked about the Oscars. So we've done the Buzz on Movies trifecta. I think. Is that our thing? We yeah. Cl- <laughs> yeah. We can close out with this. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you know the deal. Reach out to us if you want. Buzzamovies at gmail.com, at Buzzamovies at Twitter. And we'll see you at the movies once we're all fully vaccinated. We will. I really hope we will. I hope we'll see you at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>